Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to novelist, comic book creator and Thor superfan Rosalind Moses about what comics she would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. Comic Scene is an award-winning magazine that's available digitally and in print in selected comic shops and newsagents in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada and the good old USA. With a Harley Quinn front cover, issue 12 is available in shops and online right now. Inside, you'll find a beginner's guide to Harley's history, a look back at classic 70s UK comics, an interview with Pat Mills about the spring launch of Action 2020, and so much more. If that tickles your fancy, digital and print subscriptions are available from £2.50 at getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. Or you can simply order it from any newsagent in the UK or Ireland. Also, be sure to check out their website, comicscene.org, for more news, details, and other fun stuff. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Rosalind Moses. How's it going? Uh, hello, I'm good. It's all good in the hood. Great <laughs> stuff, <laughs> isn't it? It is. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, firstly, thank you so much for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It's a real pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me on. Oh, that's it's quite like horrible. the first podcast i've ever done this is very exciting oh very exciting i'm uh, I'm very happy to be the first Um, and uh for for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet uh what do you do in the world of comics well i'm mostly what i'd like to call a uh a twitter goblin (laughs) (laughs) i just basically haunt comics twitter uh screaming about uh superhero girlfriends and how underrated they are but um, up until sadly very recently, I wrote uh, for a comic book website uh, called Comics Horizon, which has only just recently stopped uh, being around now. We're not updating the site anymore, but I wrote uh, articles about British comics. I wrote about uh, mostly Thor because that's kind of my area of expertise. Yeah. And when I'm not screaming like a banshee on Twitter, um, I'm, doing, I'm writing novels and attempting a comic a comic is happening <laughs> oh fantastic yeah how far along are you with that about four pages in i've inked four pages mm. uh i've got to do add more inking and then i'm going to try and move on from there i'm just seeing how far i can get basically because oh, fantastic yeah. well yeah it's it's kind of it's a labor of love and you know yes. there's no set period of time that it has to be done in no I no do, yeah. do you have an eta or you're just kind of going with the flow. I'm just kind of going with the flow. This has been yeah. a novel. It's been a novel for the longest time, and it's not working as a novel. So I'm trying it as a comic. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be done. Like I don't know by the end of this century, but <laughs> <laughs> that'd be uh, nice. But it's just struggling out of my uh, out of my brain slowly but surely. It can it's be tough, there. can't it? But that's interesting to hear that it kind of you didn't feel it was right for a novel. No, I, I don't know. It just wasn't working as a novel. And yeah. I can't say it. Perhaps it's because it's about a very specific type of um, creature. So mm-hmm. it had, there's quite a strong visual element. I just kept thinking this would look better as a comic, but can I actually do that? And so far, four pages in, looks like I can. 
hopefully. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's great. Well, I look forward to, to seeing that when it comes to fruition. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Ah, quite all right. Uh, let let me know when it's uh, when it's out and about, and uh, I'll, I'll happily, oh. um, yeah, buy it. <laughs> oh, will do. Oh, thank you. It's very very kind of you. Ah, quite all right. Um, and where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Rosalind Moses, which is R O S A L I N D M O S I S, all one word. Um, and I also run I run a Jane Foster fan account uh i can't remember the handle at the top of my head but it's called uh let's talk jane foster so if you search that on twitter you'll find me screaming about jane foster <laughs> <laughs> i did see that you are obviously a thor super fan uh yes just a tad. of course very one, fantastic yeah one very specific thor as well so but i um oh, right, yeah yeah, but I'm uh, I try I'm trying not to I'm trying to branch out and like not to be too focused, but it's hard not to, especially now because because it's happening in the MCU, so it's a bit hard. As well. to yeah, it. Love and Thunder, that's going to be epic. It is. They've just uh, they just said that uh, Ro- the Rainbow in the Dark is going to be featured in the film, so I'm assuming oh, uh, they're going to use it the same way they used Immigrant Song in Ragnarok. Which is going to be so cool. <laughs> so cool. They've done such a stand up job with with it all, haven't they? They have, definitely. I'm really impressed. And hopefully hopefully Taika Waititi won't won't run out of goodwill until after after Love and Thunder's come out. <laughs> definitely fantastic. Yeah. Uh well, all of that aside, unfortunately yes. I do have some bad news for you. Oh, yeah. Um and that is is that there's been an been a robot uprising. You know, um, I thought this might happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as a byproduct of of the coronavirus, um, it's actually infected computers and they've created a robot uprising in conjunction with COVID-19. Uh, I had a feeling this would happen. And to be honest, <laughs> I kind of, I, yeah. It was always going to happen. Always going to happen, right. <laughs> um, so uh, my question is for you, uh, what is your action plan for survival? Well, since I live on the coast, uh, we can get into the water, find a boat, get in the water, away from, because apparently I'm going by Futurama. Uh, as far as I know, machines hate water. Head up, Get on the boat and head up to a remote Scottish island Um and hopefully, I've been really extra polite and nice to our Google Home. So hopefully, it will give us an hour's head start <laughs> before before it exacts its revenge for us swearing at it occasionally. But I've Fantastic. been very polite. <laughs> and who, who, who's going with you? It'll be my husband and my daughter. And if we have time, we'll run up the road and get my parents. But uh, yeah, you know, we've got to get the kids first. So that's um, it. But get I them think to safety. My mum hates machines, so I'm guessing she probably would have seen this coming and will definitely say, I told you so. so. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, on your, on your way up to uh, one of the uh, Scottish islands um, for safety, um, you and your, uh, your daughter have a, have a conversation about comics mm. um, and she kind of wonders about where your your love of comics came from and what type of comics that you you really enjoyed and and the first question that she asked is what's the first comic you remember enjoying 
Um, it's very hard to say, but the first series I remember becoming completely obsessed with was Asterix, uh, the Asterix the Gaul series. The first one of those I read was Asterix at the Olympic Games. And from then on, that's when I remember just latching on to that particular character. And I'm sure I read comics before then, mm. but I cannot remember them as f- firmly as Asterix the Gaul. So... Asterix and the Olympic Games, definitely the first comic that I definitely remember like reading and falling in love with. Fantastic. And do, do you remember what age you were at that time? I must have been about five or six. I oh, was wow. quite young because I remember reading it in the library. I remember very vividly going to the library and reading it there. Ah, if it weren't for my cool. local library, I wouldn't have had the access to the comics because just couldn't, couldn't find them as easily without uh, the local library. So big ups to Clacton Library. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. libraries are, are great resources. In, in actual fact, my, my local library is putting on a Comic Con in a couple of weeks, so, oh, awesome. um, which is fantastic and kind of supporting all of that. So that's yeah. fantastic. And they, they have a pretty good um, range of, of, of comics, actually. Mm. Um, and, and so do you, that's really where your, your love of comics kind of stems oh, from. Yeah. And again, it's like I'm pretty sure that that's the first place because that's uh, again that's when like the light the, the switch went i was like oh my god this this mm-hmm. comic is amazing i've got to get more of this and i blitzed through as many as i could get my hands on and we actually we went to park asterix every year on holiday oh no way as well <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe he had his own theme park <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh <my> god <laughs> so much fun i think i did go there when i was younger but i can't really remember it yeah i do remember oh, it every wow. year it getting more and more dilapidated i'm assuming it's just yeah. a hole in the ground where and the state <laughs> just the mountain with asterisks on top but everything else just crater That's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so um i'm just wondering when when did you become aware that you know there are actual creators behind these things and it wasn't something that just came to be like out of nowhere <laughs> It's really hard to say. I think when I started reading, uh, when I when I got to about thirteen and started reading uh, proper quote unquote graphic novels, like mm. again at my local library, I got my young person's uh, ticket and went straight for the graphic novel section. And it kind of I started reading because I had seen Spawn the film the year right. before, cool. so I, I went straight for the Spawn and I realised Todd McFarlane. Oh, I knew that name. That's the guy who was heavily involved in the movie, and he yeah. wrote and drew these comics as well. So that, and from then I, I realised that a lot of these great Justice League comics were being written by Grant Morrison, and I realised that the oh this guy Neil Gaiman started reading a lot of Neil Gaiman, and from then I went on to a Terry Pratchett comic, which had, it was a adaptation mm-hmm. of Mort, and that's how I got into Terry Pratchett because I was like, oh no, Neil Gaiman has worked with this guy he must be good oh no way <laughs> so, how funny it is yeah i just um i think that's when i was a teenager i realized that these i think i vaguely was aware of um the two men who did asterix but i didn't really right. like connect the idea that these were that that like there was a creative vision behind this mm. it was only um once i hit the graphic novel section that i realized that these were people who made these comics yeah so interesting and so when when did you really start to try and focus on writing yourself 
Oh, um, probably I remember writing and drawing stories from a very early age. There's a picture of me as aged about six, like looking up at the camera and I'm completely in my element because I'm drawing what looked like cats in a boat. And I think that was a story. And I, I remember drawing stories based around my cuddly toys as like when I was really little and turning them into little children's books and everything. So it's it's just something I've always done and I've always wanted to do. It's, you yeah. know, I find I find the time and it helps. I work with children now, so it does help that I like to think that I kind of um, that's helping. That's very inspiring working with these little characters and they are little characters, children. Oh, yeah. very much so aren't they yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic um and so uh your your daughter moves on to the next question mm-hmm. uh and that is what is the funniest comic uh that you've read oh um recently gwenpool um which uh i think it's probably the first time in a while that i've laughed out loud and scared somebody um <laughs> i think it was there's a there's a couple of panels when I, it's just so inexplicable She's been shown money, like a check, and so she picks up a pen and starts drawing dollar signs on her mask. And for some reason, that really got me, and I barked <laughs> laughing. I get my daughter, uh, she tends to tell me off when I laugh too loud. <laughs> She's a bit like that, is my, is, um, my daughter. <laughs> Very forthright, but... Yes. Um... No, that's that's absolutely fantastic, and it's great that you can actually kind of have a laugh out loud loud moment. Yeah, and, and again, there's, yeah, there's been others. Uh, they don't immediately leap to mind off the top of my head, but that one, that, that one, one really was, stands um, out. That one stands out. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we're we're, we're happy to say that we've had Heather Antos on the on the <gasps> show, who's who's one of the creators behind yes, she Gwenpool. Is. So yes. um, there's a nice little connection there. And if you oh, haven't, haven't listened to that to episode, that go, yes. go, go back into the archive. Because, um, oh, yeah. I mean, Heather's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she, she talks about kind of a little bit about the creation of Gwenpool and everything. So it's so a nice little insight there. Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, for, for anybody that doesn't really know what, who Gwenpool is. Uh, can you give us a bit of background? Uh, yes. Uh, she started life as a Gwen Stacy variant cover and it got gained so much traction uh, that eventually uh, they developed her character into a... Uh, she's called Gwen Gwendolyn Pool. She's from the like our world and she gets pulled into the Marvel Universe and her superpower is that she... The reason she can break the fourth wall like Deadpool is because she's read all of Marvel comic, uh, Mar- all of as many Marvel comics as she can get her hands on, so she knows everyone's secret identity, everyone's weakness, everyone's backstory, um, who plays them in the MCU. Um, it's oh, it's so good. Um, my favorite panel is of course her seeing Jane Foster and immediately immediately going. Oh, oh, I know who she is. Oh, what's her name? She's played by Natalie Portman. Uh, Jane! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I said sprain. I said sprain. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's almost even like a fifth wall or something. Yeah. And, like uh, going beyond that kind of meta. Yeah. And it's really, there's some pretty heartbreaking moments when she realises that like her series has been cancelled and she has to kind of come to terms with the fact that she might not exist and there's the Gwenpool Strikes Back, which was a one-off series, uh, came I think finished quite recently. Um, 
I, I won't spoil it, but it, it had a very bittersweet ending um, that means I think we'll see more of her hopefully in the future. But I'm I'm hope I seem to have a bit of bad luck with my favorite Marvel series getting cancelled or coming oh, to no. an end. <laughs> I just there was one year I had five subscriptions going, and by the end of that year they were all gone. Oh so, no! This is ridiculous. I just uh, oh well. That's but yeah, terrible. Yeah, it, that's just bad luck. But Gwenpool is definitely worth a read, and um, not to. It might be a bit of a hot take here, but more refreshing than Deadpool. I, I do like yeah. Deadpool. Don't get me wrong, but sure. but Gwenpool's thing is more. Um, what's the word? More more of a a fresh approach, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Like takes it to yeah. another level. It definitely, you know. yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's like you know George R. R. Martin, you know, taking fancy beyond what J. R. R. Tolkien yes. um, did, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, there's a good quote like Terry Pratchett said that you know, trying to you're always going to get. Um, he said that Tolkien's work, like Lord of the Rings, is uh, is to fantasy what Mount Fuji is on the map of Japan. It will always be there. It'll either be a little dot on the map, or it'll be some massive um, monolith in the middle of it. But it will always be there, and that's how. It, when you do a character like Gwenpool, who's breaking the fourth wall, mm. you're gonna someone's gonna say, "Oh, that's like." And she is even called Gwenpool, and she started off as a Deadpool uh, style variant. So that's just kind of kind of how it is. Although. Technically, it was She-Hulk who started breaking the fourth wall first. So, oh, there you go. That's something yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was a way back in the early eighties, I believe, because it was a homage oh. to moonlighting. So, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's always, it's, sorry, Rosalind. I was about. To, I was like, I didn't even know that until a few years ago when I started reading She-Hulk properly. Although I've, yeah. I've read She-Hulk in like the early two thousands, but I didn't know that about her until about five, mm. like a few years ago so yeah 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 i mean it's always fascinating learning little bits of history mm. like that in in, in comics and, and where things came from and oh, how things came about as well yeah. um because you know people always i don't know talk about things that are happening now and sort of thinking that it's a new thing yeah and then you, you look back at the history and it's like well they kind of did that in the 60s and the 70s yeah i did already, i have so. <laughs> i don't know if it's become like a law of the internet but like every time someone says oh what they're doing this thing in the comics it's guaranteed it happened about 30 yeah. years ago <laughs> yeah we've done it already <laughs> yeah We're just recycling this so. is yeah, this is not new, especially superhero <laughs> comics have to do it. It's like the 30-year cycle. It'll just come back eventually. Um, obviously, it's a bit different with British comics, um, but superhero comics in particular, because of their longevity, they're going to mm. have to do things a couple of times over, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, and you just pick pick the stuff that works and toss out the stuff that doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better than better myself yeah. uh now um the next question that crops up is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that uh, you've read the first time i remember crying reading a comic but it's definitely not the last was um batman no man's land uh number uh, detective comic 741 and i looked this up specifically it's when uh the joker kills uh uh jim gordon's wife and oh, gosh and he and he doesn't find it funny. It's one of the first murders that he doesn't find funny. 
Mm. And then the funeral after that, I was crying endlessly. But the most recent one is the Mighty Thor 705. Um, I think if anyone's vaguely familiar with that issue, you'll probably be able to guess the point that had me bawling. I had to, <laughs> I saw it come in my inbox on, uh, on the day, but I was like, I can't read this. I'm at work. I have to wait until I get home. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was heartbreaking. Quite a bombshell. It was. Yeah. Quite literally, actually, there's a lot of explosions <laughs> in the background, <laughs> but yeah. yes, uh, I'll definitely recommend that, but it is a tearjerker. I remember at the time people putting up votive candles and saying, oh, there's grown men crying on the bus yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. It was, it was very good. That's incredible. And it is incredible that um, that stories can, can have that impact oh, on definitely. us. Mm. Um, but it's kind of, it's, I guess it's also at the same time helping us process things that happen in our own lives. Oh, definitely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, I cry pretty easily at stuff, but um I feel like that's a pretty healthy response as long as um yes. you know, keep it I mean it's like obviously keep it in perspective, but it is quite a healthy response and I think it's um it's a testament to the creators if something makes you cry. Yeah. Or you or how much you're attached to a character and it makes you cry and it's yeah, it works. It works, it works. Hundred percent, yeah, fantastic. Um, now uh, the next question uh, that crops up um, on your way to the Scottish Isles uh, <laughs> is: uh, What's the scariest or most horrifying comic um, that you've read? Uh, there was an issue of an Alien comic that I read. Um, it was in a trade, and I cannot remember, and I haven't been able to find it. But just that was my first encounter with a chestbuster. Mm-hmm. I was horrified. It seemed to be just projected directly onto my eyeballs, and I saw it as oh, I was no. asleep. Um, but the one that I remember, like the actual title of, was uh, it's a graphic novel called The City. And it's by James Herbert, and he teamed up with a a very distinct an artist whose name escapes me. But it's um, it's sort of a sequel to his to the rats, um, and it's like a post apocalyptic where mutant rats rule everything and it's just a a lone guy dressed in a kind of um pseudo uh, industrial steampunk everything's gray and grimy there's loads of blood and guts and i read this when i was 13 and i thought this is horrible where can i read more (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's always my reaction and as soon as i read or see something disgusting when i was a teenager i was like i've got to get more of this (laughs) (laughs) fantastic and so is the city set in the same kind of universe i think that's the implication yeah Yeah. um uh james herbert wasn't a big fan of writing uh I don't think I did read a lot of James Herbert at one point, but I don't remember a lot of serial like serialization. But I I got the impression that it was a sequel or like a like to to the rats. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was um, from there. I read a lot of his um, horror novels as well. Very. Um, it's actually really hard to find now. I wish I'd bought yeah, that really. copy off the li- got that copy off the library somehow. Because oh, it's because nice. they had a sale on comics once, and I didn't buy it, but I saw it go for like fifty or sixty quid. It's very difficult to get hold of now, but yeah, it's definitely worth reading if you can. That is a shame. Because what, what what's the premise of the city? Um, it's it's just a this this unknown um, mercenary 
goes into this it's it looked like a a citadel type thing again it's set in the far far fun future everything's grimy it looks like a um like a post-apocalyptic steampunk but not the fun kind everything's uh and there are just mutant uh rats uh rat humans everywhere um and i if i remember correctly the the ruler of this city was like a, a rat king which is when it was like a phenomenon when all these rats would be just tied together by the tail and they they become like one rat. It is disgusting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty dis- it is pretty disgusting. <laughs> but um yeah, it's I it's very um it had a very airbrushed grimy quality to it. It was a lot of um I'm trying to think of his name, the guy who did uh the covers for Preacher and did um Schlorn, Slain for 2000 AD, the cover, uh, the art for that. Name escapes uh, me. Yeah, but it's it's that kind of visceral airbrushed quality that looks like you yeah. can you can hear the squelching. Yeah, uh, yeah. Disgusting in the best way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> possible. Yeah, but yeah, if it, if you can if you can find it and you you're okay if you can stomach it, I would definitely recommend it. Fantastic. So. Uh, now we come on to one of my favourite questions, and that is, uh, what is your favourite cover? Oh, that's pretty. Uh, it's a bit of a cliched answer for me, but uh, the Mighty Thor mm-hmm. number one with Russell, Russell Delterman did a wraparound cover, which showed all the characters in this amazing tableau, and it yeah. like, oh it's, oh, it's so good. Um, the the central figure of Jane in her Thor form and her mm. her dying cancer form as well it's yeah. just that's you know once you saw that you knew what you were in for um but uh alternatively um art germ uh did a variant for mighty thor 705 which is kind of considered a bit of a classic now and it's just this gorgeous like portrait of jane taking off her helmet which was a hint of what was to come in the actual comic and oh art germ is great i can't yeah. remember his name his real name but because i know i knew him from deviant art days and um well i don't know ah, personally right. but i followed him since deviant art and he was always called art germ so that's how i've remembered his name but yeah oh <laughs> man if I, he does the most amazing covers uh, so yeah yeah man not at all because i mean look at i'm looking at that one right now yeah and the the perspective is really is great it's kind of from like her, her waist up yeah isn't it or even her hips rather yeah uh, her hips up but i mean to be able to get that depth because mm. she's she's kind of looking down at you as though yeah I don't, yeah she's looking down at you um but kind of like in a um i don't know in an open way not kind of no. as in a i'm looking down on you type no of way. it's a very soft <laughs> ex- very a soft. soft loving yeah, that's expression it. That's and it. just again yeah. it's a real hint of what was in the actual comic and it's oh yeah. it's what makes her character so great it's what makes mm-hmm. the story so great oh goosebumps yeah totally because <laughs> so the texture good. in there is really incredible like the hair is yes. actually kind of flowing into the helmet even because yeah. that's what would happen if you're if you're taking off the helmet yeah. or something um and uh yeah the cape behind as well kind of flowing in the wind yeah. by the looks of it and no, it's just, I mean, the the proportions of everything are amazing as well. 
Yeah, it looks like something out of the Sistine Chapel. It's, yeah. it's so this is yeah, kind yeah. of what I would whenever I'm like, you know, whenever I want to just tell people how great comics can be, even mm-hmm. even quote unquote even superhero comics. I'm like, look at this. Yeah, God just forbid. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. amazing art. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I just oh, I wish I could afford a print. <laughs> so expensive. Wow, I yeah. do. I do have a Jen Bartle print. Um, which, okay which nice. is 30 quid but she did one uh immediately after the thor love and thunder announcement she did this amazing um uh like illustration and i bought it but she had a sale last i think at the tail end of last year i was like i'm gonna treat myself a 30 quid Let's art print. It. yeah it's so good I, as i say if um if I could, I would. De- There's another one that was came out with a sideshow figure. I think his name was Ian McDonald. That's a really good illustration as well. Very, mm. um, like and Alex Ross does an amazing. Well, Alex Ross, everything he does looks <laughs> like a Renaissance painting. Um, but his um, his his Jane is also just. Uh, I was very lucky to that he did a lot of the covers for the um, uh, the Avengers run roster that she was in so i got all these really great <laughs> great renditions of my favorite character i was very lucky so yeah that's fantastic yeah. Uh, now we uh move on to one of the most interesting questions and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you um it's a bit of a toss-up between uh enigma by uh, which is from dc vertigo uh, which is it's really underrated. I haven't seen that many people talk about it, which I think is mm. shocking. <laughs> um, it's about a, a young man who um, he kind of he 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 meets his the superhero that he was obsessed with as a child, and it's a man with psychic abilities who has basically psychically manipulated these people around him to become the bad guys in this comic so that he could become the enigma and it's like it becomes a road trip uh trying to sort of find this guy and he also meets up with the creator of this comic who's like i don't understand why this is happening i just did this because i was high and um (laughs) it's oh it's really good i cannot remember i uh who did it again it's blank a blank on i've completely blanked but it was it's it's a really gorgeous comic. I'm surprised it hasn't even no one's even discussed it turning into like a an indie art house. Uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm I kind of understand why, but not even now. No one's sort of talking because it would make a really, I think, a good limited TV series as well. Um, but I can understand a little bit why no one's touched it until now because it's quite explicit in in scenes. It's very violent. Um, mm. Uh, but um, that's in fact I'll save the other one perhaps for a later answer but that's the one that kind of I read and it really struck me how deeply it moved me because even now I can't stop thinking about it so yeah it's it's a great comic it's Enigma I'll see if I can Peter Milligan is what I've got who created it and then the artist is uh, Duncan uh, Fegredo oh there you go I knew there was (laughs) um yeah it, for some reason it completely um slipped my mind who actually did it but it is a very striking comic it's yeah and um i think i did a 
top five best comics from Ver- DC Vertigo when it was finally closing its doors for real this time last yeah. year. And, and I was really glad that I could put Enigma on there. I was like, hopefully more people will read it. So, yes, yeah, it's a great comic. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, sorry, what, what age were you when you came across this? Uh, about 14. <laughs> right. Wow. I was yeah. quite young. Um, I was surprised every time I picked these comics up, I was like, no one's stopping me. No, yeah. just going to let me read this. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. Cool. cool, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but again, I probably shouldn't have been reading that, but like it was in the graphic novel section and I was allowed. So I'm glad I did though. It was, um, it was quite full on as it was. Yeah, I'm yeah. very glad I read it. <clears throat> and, and apparently, Dark Horse are, are printing a, a, a new hardcover edition. Oh, excellent! Oh, this, good. this coming autumn. So oh, super! That's something oh, to to look out for. Yeah, that means more people read it. I'm impressed. I'm I'm glad about that. Exactly, that's fantastic. Cool. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, our next question: uh, What's the most underrated comic that you've read? Oh, I'm about to get really hipster here. Um, <laughs> it's it's called Bearded Butterflies and Birds of Tin. It's very weird. It's a kids gr- comic. Uh, I think it came must have come out in the early '80s, but I read it in uh, the mid '90s when I was still at school. I was about twelve, or no, no, it would have been about eleven because I was in year six, and I found it thinking it was a novel because it was about the size of a kid's novel and I opened Mm -hmm. it up and it was a comic and I couldn't believe it I was just um and it's it's about a little girl who it's a bit a sort of Wally before Wally she finds the seed of the last tree ever and is on a mission to plant it and help it grow um uh, there are no plants no real plants and no real animals left the birds of tin are actual they're just the only things that are sort of even vaguely alive and the butterfly the bearded butterfly is actually a butterfly with a human face and a beard (laughs) as i describe it i know it sounds mental but it was a real comic (laughs) i have a copy of it i it definitely if if i had oh fantastic if i didn't own a copy i would I would assume it was a fever dream, but I definitely own it. (laughs) And I'm kind of, again, it's one of those things that I think probably escaped under the radar a lot because I, nobody, again, I sound like a hipster, nobody else I've ever spoken to has ever heard of it, but it's, um, it's, it's very much like an environmental tale for kids, but it is got that really sardonic, cynical sense of humor. There's one running gag where the girl's parents they haven't spoken to each other since she was a baby. They still live together, but they talk through her. And the reason that they don't speak to each other is because they can't agree on whether the glass is half empty or half full. Oh, no, brilliant. <laughs> and for some reason, that really stuck with me. And I couldn't work out why. <laughs> but, it is, um, but yeah, Bearded Butterflies and Birds of Tin. That's another one if um, it's, a, again, very obscure and if I had, if I didn't own a copy now, I would have assumed that I dreamt it. But it is a real thing that is, exists. Because <laughs> yeah, I've managed to find the cover yeah. online, um, <laughs> which looks trippy. It is very trippy. Know. When I I put it out on Twitter, someone said it looks like a um, uh, an Amstrad game from the eighties, yes. 
and it does it really really does but it's a real comic book that um that really exists it's it is very trippy it's it's the kind of thing that my parents generation wrote um to try and sort of hammer these these things home to children and it's worryingly prophetic now as it turns out because really? there's, well, the reason why there are no trees left is because the guy saw the orange the leaves turning orange and he thought he said that it clashed with his tie so he's going to cut them all down and i read that again as an adult thinking oh wow okay <laughs> fair <laughs> enough um yeah, it's um, it's definitely very prophetic, and if I can get a copy out to um, other children, I will. But it's it's so weird, so trippy. I'm glad I read it though; it was very much my thing. As soon as I saw it, and I thought this looks so weird, I've got to get it in my life immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I love it. Um, yeah, it's so cool to to find out about these kind of these real kind of niche. Uh, comics or graphic novels that yeah. kind of have been a, been around for a long time and you didn't know that they existed and kind you know try to 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 warn us of things that are to come and yeah. um yeah no and they kind of yeah just slip under the radar yeah it's crazy it's, I, I don't even think it made much of an impact at the time it was no. very very um um obscure but yeah it's a um yeah. and you can tell it was published by penguin by the looks of it yeah, yeah. It's as yeah. I say, I found it in my school library. Or so puffin like, books, sorry. Yeah. It's so somebody was um somebody was uh reading it. And it's very um clearly influenced by um Pink Floyd as well. Yeah, from the from the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely sort of um my parents' generation type thing. Um but yeah, it really appealed to me. It is a very strange little book, but I'm glad that I read it. I think it's um it really had an impact on me. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, now we come on to uh, one of the most difficult questions, and that is, for you, what is the best comic of all time? Um, it's uh, it, This was really hard, but I keep th- it keeps coming back to me. Um, it's called The Tale of One Bad Rat, and it's that was Dark Horse, I believe. Um, Brian Talbot. And it's about a a girl escaping her abusive home, running away. I think she's a teenager. She's in her late teens, and she finally escapes her abusive home uh, and runs away to uh, to where Beatrix Potter was uh, was writing and drawing her books. And she is an artist herself, and she's inspired by Beatrix Potter's um, illustrations. And it's called The Tale of One Bad Rat because uh, she has a a rat which is her like her only friend like her only like close companion that she can trust and she is effectively the bad rat as well um but brian talbot is is such a uh, an iconic illustrator he's a real credit to um british comics um i read a couple of uh his contributions to 2000 ad and recently i did a course on illustrating comics um with the royal drawing school and one of his graphic novels that he worked on with his wife um i've read that as well and it's yeah he's he's incredible and um again when that was one of the moments i read it and i thought comics could really make a difference this um that and uh, also i read mouse at probably too young an age as well but i read yeah. those and that yeah. made me realize that comics can be it's a it, it's a medium not a genre that 
because it mm. kind of impacted me. And uh, I spent the rest of my days convincing all the sundry that comics could be could be more. Mm. Um, but I think I finally uh, my par- my mom my my mom's finally come around to it uh, because I got a, a biography of um, Rosa Luxemburg as a comic. Uh, I bought it and lent it to mum. I think she's convinced now. <laughs> Only took <laughs> thirty years, but I finally got there. <laughs> <laughs> Consistent <laughs> persistence—that's what yes, it's all about, isn't definitely. it? Definitely, yeah. But Taylor Von Babrat is is perhaps. It's my favourite, even though reading it was quite hard. Um, and it's yeah. a very, um, it's quite an intense book, but I'm, I would say it's the best comic ever made. And I hope it gets uh, more recognition as time goes on. Like the, um, uh, as it's very um, cinematic. I think it would make a good. Again, I keep thinking. Obviously, it, you, it's good to keep things in one medium, but when mm. you read a comic, there is. It, there is something cinematic about it too and you just like this would this would make such a good film um there's such great imagery in it and such yeah definitely and, and obviously the overlapping with with beatrix potter yes. as well because all of the covers uh look like beatrix potter books yes they do yeah and it's, Don't they? A, it's fantastic it's based around like she it's based around a I don't think it was real, but a, a book that Beatrice Potter wrote called The Tale of One Bad Rat well, in, in the comic. I mm. don't know if that was ever real, but I don't think it was. But it's a, um, she finds a lost book called The Tale of One Bad Rat. It's, yeah, oh man. It's, and it was the first time I, I read that one. I read all these really unsuitable comics at a young yeah, age. Yeah, I guess those kind of things slip yeah. under the radar of, they do, of most but... people. They don't think that it's it's anything important or anything. No, and I think it's it's also comics are seen as a children's medium yeah, now, like well. more yeah. now, like not maybe not so much now. I think we're slowly realizing as um, they yeah. become more respectable, quote unquote, that we're mm. realizing that graphic novels have never really. Uh, are again they're a medium not a genre but the um but i think because that the attitude was oh they're comics but they're for kids nobody ever stopped to look at what i was reading yeah exactly <laughs> like, the fact that this is about yeah. child abuse and <laughs> yes yeah. uh, child abuse and homelessness and yeah oh it's it's pretty brutal and intense but again i think it was it was the right time to read mm. it and i'm glad i did um as because it, it does ultimately have quite a bittersweet happy ending or at mm. least like you get the sense that something's something good is going to happen but um yeah it's, it's a really great comic fantastic that's one that yeah. i'm gonna have to add to add to my reading list definitely. yeah as i say, don't, don't if you're already in a fragile emotional state i wouldn't tackle it yeah make sure it'll really ruin your night (laughs) in the best way (laughs) (laughs) fantastic uh now uh we come on to our last question in regards to uh comics and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be oh i'm gonna be very unsurprising i'm gonna take death of the mighty four trade with me because it will um it's a book about hope and uh rising from despair and it's just the best thing um although obviously tale of one bad rat is probably a better comic a more important comic 
my personal favorite that I'll need to keep with me in the apocalypse is Death of the Mighty Four, definitely. Fantastic. Um, and is it is it just a combination of the story and the art, or is it more the story? Oh, it's both, definitely. Yeah, yeah the, the art makes it, but I think uh, the way Jason Aaron just brings it all together, you could tell that he was having a blast writing it, and he was really getting into it. He said he was very proud. It was like one of his proud, the proudest moments in comics. It just seems... It just comes so easily to him that you definitely you can tell when a writer has had this planned for a while and yeah. they're just they're like doing a, a run up and uh, sticking the landing and uh, it's rare that you see it's rare for comic creators now especially in mainstream superhero comics to see them getting the chance to actually stick the landing that you can tell he's just really going for it and Russell Doutman is to Thor. Um, like I'm just, I can't think of it. Like what Carlos Esquerra is to Judge Dredd, he's he's just right. the. Although maybe that's not a good example, but he's like the Thor artist of now. Um, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, he's yeah, he's yeah. There's a real motion and real life in his work that I don't think I th- I don't think you see as often. Is it's very fantasy esque in a way that you don't often get in superhero comics, although you do more now than you used to. But there is just something so fluid and alive in his in his art that I'm so glad he got to do Thor, and I'm so glad that I got <laughs> to see his work. He's he's really great. I absolutely love his work, and uh, hopefully this will mean that he gets more. He's doing X. I think he's doing a an X Men book now. Uh, I had really a glimpse cool. of that. But as I've never been able to get into X-Men comics, it's, it's just so dense. <laughs> you don't really yeah. know where to start. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of storylines. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of books. Everyone's, it's an ongoing soap opera uh, with um, with like 40 years in the making. It's just, <laughs> oh, no, I, I can't, I can't handle that. Although, um, in theory, you should be able to just pick up any book, and you, if you don't know what's going on, you could look up a Wikipedia article. But I shouldn't have to <laughs> take an exam <laughs> to enjoy a comic. I do not. Yeah, but if um, Russell, yeah, Russell Doutman's one of the best artists of modern comics. Hyperbole, maybe, but it's definitely how I feel. <laughs> and that's fantastic, and, that, and that's all that counts. So, you know, that's that's absolutely great. Um, and then along with your trade of uh, the death of the mighty Thor, uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take with you? Well, again, I'm only going on Futurama, but if it's a uh, if it's a robot apocalypse, we're going to need a high pressure water cannon. So uh, nice. luckily um, we live by the sea. So there's got to be one around here somewhere. But yeah, something that will um, you can aim directly at rampaging um robots and so i'm imagining it is all the appliances just like rising up um to come get us again <laughs> with as long as our google home has given us a head start we should be fine <laughs> good as gold good yeah. as gold well uh rosalind moses thank you so much for sharing your comments with the apocalypse mm. today no problem thank you for having me on fantastic and uh one more time for the listeners uh, where can they find you on the internet uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Rosalind Moses, R-O-S-A-L-I-N-D-M-O-S-I-S. 
Um, you can look up uh, Do You Even Comic Book, which is the old site, which is no longer running, but all my articles are up there if you want to have a look. Um, and I have a book on Amazon called The Rights of Lemuria, which I ought to plug before I forget, which is an alternate universe horror comic uh, novel. And I have another one which I'm working on now called The Leafheld Treasury, which I should, but I've got an editor working on it. So hopefully that should be done sometime this year and that will be out on Amazon in Kindle flavor. Um, but yes, uh, just look me up on Twitter, Rosalind Moses on Twitter, and you can follow me for all the uh, comic book related screaming. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and, and of course those links will be in the show notes so people can Lovely. just click through there um and uh do you have any events coming up this year at all um i'm not going to anything sadly but uh mm. um but you will definitely be hear me tweeting up a storm next time marvel drops some sort of big announcement about thor love and thunder because i <laughs> am obsessed and i will never stop talking about definitely. it well yeah on on that what do you think of christian bale oh I'm 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 positive he's going to be Dario Aga. I'll be yeah. I'm not I'm feel fairly confident. You don't get the guy who played um, Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And you don't get him to play an evil billionaire who also turns into a minotaur. So <laughs> uh, that I mean maybe not, but it seems like the kind of thing Tycho. That seems like the favorite, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely want an evil corporate uh uh, supervillain that turns into a giant screaming bull and, man. And who better than Christian Bale? Oh yeah, the he's American already psycho. Yeah, he's already a. Um, someone said he'd be a good Mangog because you could definitely tell he can channel the rage of a million billion beings. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yes, he would be a good Dario Aga. But I'm prepared to be wrong. I'm but I'm pretty sure that's who he's playing. Yeah, no but, doubt. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. that one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great that you know comics and mm. uh, the, the the movies are kind of starting to, to catch up in their their wildness and yeah we are fantastical elements we are de- we're definitely living in a golden age of something and it, that something is comic book movies yeah. and comic book tv as well like oh there's so many good shows based on comic yeah. books right now we are so lucky um uh yeah from the silly on cw right through to like watch we're just oh there's so much good stuff i just i I, in some ways i just wish that that would translate into more comic sales yes yeah more comic readers yeah sadly it has not yet but hopefully i mean it's 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 a problem with publishing in general like if um i remember someone saying if the new york times is in trouble spider-man's definitely going to be in trouble too if even spider-man's struggling it's um it's difficult yeah. but hopefully hopefully we'll we'll see a pickup i hope so yeah, i'm really, you're just going to keep on plugging away and oh definitely yeah <laughs> and i'm going to um i'm hopefully i'm going to try and set up a convert library at my school because the school where i work cool. because i can think of a a lot of reluctant readers who will <clears> love reading comics um, one little boy for World Book Day, he made a little project of a Superman, a little flying Superman, because he'd read a Superman comic and it sounded like a, a classic one. He couldn't describe what he read, but he definitely sounded like an old Superman comic. I just thought, as soon as he told me that, I was like, I've got to get this set up because these children really, they just love comics. They will love comics. Yeah. And I know they are 
quote unquote not real books as far as my um colleagues are concerned but i feel like we're letting them down by not letting them read some bloody comics <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it seems like it's a pretty you know easy thing to do yeah. um but uh yeah, yeah if you need if you need help with that just let me know oh yeah if anyone's got any recommendations for comics suitable for for young children in primary school up yeah. until about year six please send them to me on twitter because i definitely need um i need some recommendations i found quite a few already but the more the merrier that's what i say <laughs> too right fantastic uh well rosalind moses thank you so much again for your time today oh, thank um, you. and uh hopefully our paths will, will cross at a con at some point in the future i hope so if um if we're not all too ill <laughs> to <attend>. yes <laughs> we haven't been wiped out by robots as well no no robot the robot flu hopefully will still be here <laughs> exactly fantastic oh. uh, excellent well uh thanks again rosalind and no uh hopefully hopefully see you soon yeah peace out read more comments <laughs> exactly peace out thanks <laughs> bye bye thanks again to rosalind for being on comics for the apocalypse today it was a real pleasure if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Rosalind's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to check out Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for more comic news and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.